a psalm of Asaph. We read, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongues struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there any knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain, I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long, I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Truly you have set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How are they destroyed in a moment, swept away by, utterly by terrors? Like a dream when one awakes, O oh Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my refuge that I may tell of all your works. The book of Psalms is split into five books. Um, this is the beginning of book three. It's a psalm of Asaph where books one and two are overwhelmingly, not exclusively, but overwhelmingly uh, full of psalms of David or unnamed psalms. Book two ends with Psalm 72 being the first of two psalms that we have written by Solomon. And here we begin book three with a psalm that almost weirdly unique amongst its predecessors. For how honest in repentance the psalmist approaches the throne of heaven. In verses 1 through 3, we see this picture of 
Asaph understanding the goodness of God as poured out to his children. He says, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. The affirmation of all of God's children must be to acknowledge the goodness of God. It is true, it is firm, it is secure. However, he says, but as for me, my feet almost stumbled, my steps have nearly slipped. God has never failed to show his children that he loves them, that he is good to them, and that he is there for them. Yet he realized he'd almost fallen. Walking along an uneven mountainside, he almost lost his balance. He almost tumbled. What was it that caused his foot to slip? As he looks at God, as his heart turns to God and says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. What is it that caused him to diverge from that firm truth? He says, I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. What is it in the heart of the Psalter that caused him to doubt and almost fall away from the firm faith and the goodness of God for his people? Seeing how good the unrighteous live in this world. They have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They're not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten their oppression. They set their mouths against heavens, against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. He looked at men who were wicked. He looked at men that were sinful. He looked at men that were not deserving of God's love. And yet, not only did they not have any struggles, not only did they not have any failures of even health, they were so gluttonous in their prosperity that their eyes had swollen shut in their fatness. These were men that had no struggles in this world and were so prosperous, were so secure, were so satisfied in their pursuits that they mocked heaven, threatened anyone and everyone with violence, and claimed ownership over this creation. How unattractive that is. How gross it is to picture eyes unable to open because the face is too fat on its own gorging. Yet what did the psalmist do? As gross as that is, as unattractive as that is, he envied it. He envied it to the point that he almost forsake God. Because of the prosperity of these men, because of their arrogance, because of their boastfulness, because of how much they thrived, it says, therefore his people turned back to them and find no fault in them. These men, as much of a mockery as they were to God, God's own people looked at them and said, I don't see anything wrong here. They're clearly doing this right. They say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches, all in vain. He says, have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence? 
For all day long I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. Asaph looks at his own life and he says, not only have I struggled, and it seems like in vanity, to reject this, if I had been given the opportunity to open my mouth, I would have betrayed your people. I was so close to falling. I was so envious of them. I thought it seemed like vanity to keep my heart clean. It seemed like vanity to wash my hands in innocence. It was a struggle. I was beaten every day in a pursuit of godliness. And had I been given the chance, I would have betrayed your people. He says in verse 16, when I thought how to understand this, it became a wearisome task to me. When taken to himself to pursue dwelling over this, it beat him him down. He was weary trying to wrestle in his mind over why can the wicked be this prosperous and yet I struggle so much for nothing. It would be so easy as Job's wife tells him in Job chapter 1 to curse God and die. But he doesn't stop there. He says, when I thought how to understand this, it seemed a wearisome task until. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned therein. What was the transition in the psalmist's heart? What was it that made him change from struggling every day, suffering every day to maintain purity, to maintain innocence, to maintain holiness while watching the wicked mock God and thrive? What is it that kept him from fully jumping off the edge and cursing God? What is it that maintained faithfulness, the presence of the Lord? To approach God in his sanctuary, to approach God at his throne, It's one thing to know the truth. It's one thing to, as verse 1 says, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. It is one thing to know that and to profess it. It's another thing to look God in the face. Oh, how the longing of our hearts can stray when instead of worshiping God, we focus so much on what looks like prosperity. What looked like security, what was a fatness to the point that their eyes could not open, what was a mocking of the heavens and claiming ownership over this earth, what was a increasing in riches and never struggling, what was a never seeing the body fail in health, he realized standing in the presence of God was nothing but a trap. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors like a dream when one wakes. Oh Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. Arrogant wealth, arrogant prosperity had led these men to say, what does God know? And David realized or not David, Asaph realized if only they had seen the presence of God. How they would have understood that all that security 
all that wealth, all that health was nothing but a trap to bring forth God's wrath. When God rises, when He says the time is done, when He says my patience is finished and you are done mocking me, He despises these men as phantoms. Their wealth does them no good. Their prosperity and health does them no good. You can only curse the perfection of the Father for so long. And what does Asaph say? Having entered the presence of God, having approached God in his sanctuary, having been brought into worship of the Most Holy, he not only regains a focus for how wrong these men really are, but he also finds how far he had fallen. He looks at the face of God in His holiness and says, Truly, you've set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away by utterly by terrors, like a dream when one wakes. O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. We can look at that which is sinful and long for how good it looks. And all the while, even when we return to God, we tend to neglect the fact that we require repentance. How dare I be envious of the wicked? Returning to God in worship not only corrects the way in which I look at men that spit in his face and rebel against his name, but it also corrects me in how far my heart might have gone astray. How dare I? How dare I look at God as anything less than wonderful? Nevertheless, even though I was a beast to you, even though I was brutish and ignorant, even though my heart had been seen a little bit of struggle and I had almost come this close to fully rejecting you, nevertheless, I am continually with you. Not because of my efforts, not because I'm good. What kept him continually, eternally, forever with God? You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. Afterwards, you will receive me into glory. You did it, God. The struggles I see here pull my heart away. Watching the wicked prosper here pull my heart away from you. But nevertheless, you hold my hand till eternity. You carry me. You instruct me. And you love me. Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It is only God that we can worship for heaven. Only God we can worship to walk another day. Only God we can worship for the promise of eternal glory. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my refuge, and I may tell of all your works. What is it that contrasts the beginning of this psalm from the end of this psalm? What is it that contrasts, but as for me, my feet almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, I was envious and arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked? What is it that contrasts? 
contrast that from, but for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. What is it that the God of the universe dragged his child back to worship? Held his hand and walked him back to his sanctuary. Said, enough. Enough of being envious of the wicked. Long for me. When eternal glory is the reward. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, we thank you for the grace and mercy in which you've given us, that you have extended the right hand of fellowship and not only extended it, but seized us out of our slavery to sin, seized us out of our unrighteousness, seized us out of the ownership of death and into the ownership of life and light. That you made him who knew no sin, sin, that we might be made his righteousness. that we were envious of the wicked and indulgent in the wicked, that we were the wicked and deserving of your wrath. But by your hand and by your counsel, you have lovingly led us into the truth of your worship, redeemed our spirit and set us free. May we not take anything for the glory that is your favor and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.